Sheila Weidendorf, thank you for that piano prelude. We're going to continue the prelude with a song inviting you to church. It's called All Are Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. It's Pentecost Sunday. We have uh, Pastor Chris uh, preaching for us this morning and uh, some wonderful music by the choir. So please feel welcome here. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're watching from home or wherever you are. So uh, all are welcome. You're welcome to sing along in the refrains. All are welcome, a friend and stranger at the banquet of the Savior. All are welcome, all are welcome here. From the woman who comes crying, leaving tears at Jesus' feet, to the man who knows the right way but cannot see. who sense their place is gone to the ones who live in hunger here you belong all are welcome a friend and stranger at the banquet of the savior all are welcome all are welcome here go into the streets and cities to the farms and families tell about the splendid table God's mercy All are welcome. Good morning. Good to be together this morning. And uh, others beat you here this morning. The 8 o'clock service, of course. Uh, but also the choir, they've been here all morning. And the Altar Guild has been here to set the table for us. And it's really a, a, a great, wonderful day in our life together. At 11 o'clock, we have uh, uh, two of our uh, 13, 14-year-olds are going to be affirming their baptismal vows this morning, saying they want to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And that's really what we're saying as well as we gather here and come forward to receive the bread and wine of Holy Communion. So it's good that we're here, and we also welcome all those who are online sitting there. We see you on your couch in your pajamas. With with your coffee in your hand, you are a part of our congregation. Uh, the order of service is printed before you on the bulletin, and everything will be projected for you as well. And so if it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now our gathering hymn, let us go now to the banquet. <laughs>
And our first shared prayer of the morning is called the Curie. The Curie, eleison, God have mercy, Christ have mercy on us. be with you. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, you alone are holy. You are the author of life and creation, the master of new beginnings. You welcome all people to this table, to this feast of grace. Give us the gift of hospitality that we too might welcome others. Give us the courage to forgive and the strength to serve. We pray in the name that is above all others, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. The first lesson is from the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and there will be no escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong in the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. As a bit of introduction to our piece, uh, our the psalm that is uh, signed for this morning is Psalm 90, um, and it is. Uh, 
Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In 1854, Chief Seattle gave a speech to a gathered uh, community in his uh, native tongue, Lushutsid. It was not widely understood by the people present, and so therefore there were no records actually written down. There is apocryphal you know, word that says this is what he said, but nobody really knows. Uh, but his, the essence of what he was saying from the, from the uh, gathered people was that um, the land is sacred to them in, in all its ways, in all its presence. And the, as they were signing their lands over to the settlers, he spoke to them and told them what a treasure it was. And it reflects back um, to God's word, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof from Psalm 24. So uh, Daniel Moe put this piece uh, together with that psalm and the, some of the, the essence of the words of Chief Seattle. Chief Seattle's psalm, Gordon Ullman playing trumpet.
George, thank you. Well, it is good to be with you this morning, and it is my pleasure and privilege to be reading to you the gospel text for this morning, which comes out of the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, a story Jesus told, sometimes called the Parable of the Talents. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gospel of our Lord. Yeah, you sure about the thanks part of that? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Amy and I have two grown children, uh, a son and a daughter. Our son's name is Marcus. And when Marcus was quite small, we had a question that we would ask him periodically. Marcus, how big are you? Now, he was not yet a year old. He could hardly say anything, but he always had the same answer. We would say, Marcus, how big are you? And he would go, As if to say, I'm so big. I am enormous. There's no telling how big I'm going to become. And he was right. We watched the miracle of that first year. 
go on, and I calculated that if he continued putting on weight at this rate, he would, he would end up about 540 in early adulthood. And I was glad kind of when the growth slowed down until he reached his teen years and sprouted up to 6'5". Yeah, so he was kind of right, you know, with the arms raised. And as a parent, we wanted him to think he was so big. I know that that runs counter to some parenting technique, maybe that will spoil our children. They'll become indulgent. Nonsense. Life cuts us down to size, and it's always good to feel you're so big. And when you think about God, I want you to think so big, so big. The problem here is that for most of us, our God is too small. We reduce him to our own imagination. We project him to be a representation of ourselves. And the God remains distorted in our mind, much, much too small. We're not really convinced when push comes to shove or we're up against the wall and we don't know quite what to do. We're not really convinced in those moments that we're in the hands of a fully competent, ever-present, ever-loving God who is so, so big. This morning in this sermon I'm calling The Fear Factor, I want to look at how fear diminishes our faith and how that plays out in this parable of the last, of the talents. So just for review, there's a master, an owner of an estate, or a manager of an estate, and there's three hired hands. Each one is entrusted with a talent. It's a large sum of money. Think bags of Swiss gold. Each must decide what they're going to do with what they have been entrusted with. They've been entrusted with some money. Now they've got to figure out what to do with it. They must choose. They must act. The first servant takes his five bags of gold, put his money to work, and earns five more. And when the master returns, he says, well done. You have been faithful in a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy. The second, who is given two talents, puts that money to work, earns two more. And when the master returns, he says, well done. You have been faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's joy. The third buries his talent. Nada. Zippo. And here's how the parable ends. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, investing where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And the master, the master replies, you wicked servant, take the bag of gold and give it to him who has ten bags. 
Boom. End of story. Sound harsh to you? Come on, be honest. Yeah, it sounds harsh, right? Why the stern judgment? And in particular, where did he fail? Well, he tells us, I was afraid, so I buried your talent. Have you ever noticed how fear can immobilize you? It begins when you're faced with a giant-sized challenge to which you feel utterly insufficient, and your imagination begins to kind of run wild, and from there you start withdrawing and justifying your withdrawal by saying to yourself, uh, uh, no, no, it's, it's too risky, it's too much to hope for, Now nah, I'm going to take a hard pass. Fear immobilized the servant. I was afraid, so I buried your talent. Well, what is he afraid of? Well, he tells us he's afraid of the master. A master he envisions to be a hard-edged driver with no compassion whatsoever. This is not a true reflection of the master, but it's what he envisions. His shrunken image of the master has informed his fear, and that has immobilized him. Well, something similar happens in the outworking of our faith. When our God is too small, when we have reduced him to our terms, our faith can become immobilized. You see, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's fear. The opposite of faith is fear. And so it is not without coincidence that the number one most repeated command in Scripture is not pray more, it's not give more, it's not do more, it's do not fear. Do not fear. Why is that a command that gets repetition to the degree that it does? Well, fear shuts down our faith. And when that fear strangles my faith, the root of that fear is very often a shrunken image of God, a God that is reduced to our terms, a God that is all too small. When our God is too small, what happens? Well, we will live in a state of fear, in a state of anxiety, because everything depends on me. When our God is too small, we will give in to circumstances that hit with too much weight because I just get weighed down by it all. When our God is too small, we will find it unnatural and even unnecessary to, prayer, to pray because we're not quite sure prayer or God makes much of a difference at all. A small faith in a small God, shrinks our lives to the level of our fear. But the gospel, the good news, 
The gospel is that God wants us free of fear. Jesus wants us free of fear, especially if that fear is being fed by a shrunken image of God. And so Jesus asks people like you and I, bundles as we are of anxiety and fears, to experience freedom by exercising our faith, by exercising our faith in the God who is bigger than our distortions, exercising our faith in the God who is fully competent, ever-present, and always utterly loving. Fear, when we experience it, is often faceless. It doesn't really have a face. It's like a free-floating anxiety that just kind of pops up. Faith, on the other hand, has a face. It is the face of the one who holds out nail-pierced hands and says, I am with you. There has never been a time I have not been with you. You may feel alone, but I am with you even in this darkness. You may feel hopeless, but here I hold for you a hope and a future. You may feel abandoned, but I have sought you and I will never stop seeking you. As we come to Christ with our bag of fears, we see a God who is bigger. On the cross, we see a God who is bigger than our sins. At the empty tomb, we see a God who is bigger than our death. So, my friends, do not fear. God is bigger. God is bigger. Thanks be to Christ, we know God is so big. The Gospel of our Lord. Uh, I would invite you, if it's comfortable, to stand and we'll sing our hymn of the day.
lift our hearts now to God in prayer. Judy's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end, God, in your mercy and our response, hear our prayer. Friends in Christ, God invites us to hold the needs of our siblings as dear to us as our own needs. Loving our neighbors as ourselves, we offer our thanksgivings and our petitions on behalf of the church and the world. We lift a prayer of thanks for music, music all around us, for the low notes of the wind stirring autumn leaves, for the high-pitched whistle of a boiling kettle, for the clink of a spoon in a sturdy mug. We thank you for simple music, like the bass croak of the bullfrog, the soprano trill of the sparrow, the laugh of someone we love. God, in your mercy. We thank you for artists, for those whose work explores life's mysteries and those whose efforts connect us to each other. In this broken world, tender God, we are surrounded by somber hums and piercing cries of heartache and fear. There are many today who sing sad songs, songs of grief and woe. We know you hear these songs, O ever-attentive shepherd, you are always busy repairing, healing, and mending. Do it again, we pray. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Let us not succumb to a spirit of fear, though troubles abound. Sing to humanity songs of hope, Sing to the world songs of peace. Sing to friends and family members songs of healing. Mend bodies and spirits with the same holy notes sung by the morning stars at the dawn of time. And then, God of beauty, God of wonder, Help us to find our part in creation's elegant score. Tune our voices to sing the music of life. God, in your mercy. Life-giving God, heal our lives that we may acknowledge your wonderful deeds and offer you th your thanks from generation to generation. Visit your people and pour out your strength and courage upon us. 
that we may make you welcome, not only in our concern for others, but by faithfully and generously serving them in response to your love. Amen. Or be with you. So with Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. For, uh, thank you for sharing that greeting of the peace. After the service, come on over to the gym for a time of coffee and cookies and uh, fellowship together. We'd encourage you to do that important part of our life together. We had a medical emergency at the early service. Jack Nisley was taken to the hospital, but I, so if you caught wind of that or heard about that, uh, the word we have is that he's, he's doing just fine. So he's up at the General, but is doing just fine up there. But keep Pam and uh, Jack certainly uh, in your prayers this morning. Um, several announcements. Uh, thir- Thursday is Thanksgiving, so if you forgot that, I'm reminding you. Uh, but Wednesday night, we have a Thanksgiving Eve service, so 7 o'clock right here uh, in the sanctuary, a Thanksgiving Eve service. So if you'd like to start out this season of holidays uh, by giving thanks to God with your church family, come out at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night for that service. We'd encourage you in that way. Also, you should note that the offices here at the church will be closed on Thanksgiving and on the next day, Friday, as well, as we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving uh, together. I don't know how many of you are coming to the concert tonight. Okay, if you're coming to the concert tonight, the word of the day is carpool. Felicia and I were there at the high school counting parking spots last night, and we'll be okay, but if you can carpool, that would help us out a lot. So uh, 3 o'clock at the high school today if you are coming to that um, to that concert. Uh, Amy, do you have something for us or no? No? Okay. Um, let me see. Do I have anything else? That might be it, except for some checks. So if you have checks, come on up. And as they come up, this is what I should tell you. Trinity Lutheran Church, we get no money from the LCA. We give money to the LCA. We don't get any money from them. We get no money from the government. Um, and we do pay some taxes, but not a lot. But um, anyway, so how is it possible to do what we're doing today, which this is just one week in our life. It's because of you. 
And so as these checks are up here, these are all checks that went out this week. All these monies are already in the hands of, uh, of, um, of these charities. The first one Amy has is the Whidbey Homeless Coalition. It's $3,000 for the Whidbey Homeless Coalition. This is helping your neighbors who are homeless. And let me see where my next one is uh, here in that way. Friends of Friends, right here. Zach's got that one. That's $3,000 as well. Friends of Friends is about helping your neighbors uh, on the south end who have um, medical bills they can't pay. Or maybe they have insurance, but that doesn't cover going back and forth on the ferry or having to stay overnight in Seattle or dental things that they can't pay for. So Friends of Friends pays for to help out your neighbors. And Small Miracles is the same thing, only in Coopville for the central part of the island. Now, all three of these $3,000 gifts, we got $1,500 each from uh, the concert receipts. The concert is a benefit tonight, the Brothers Four. So we had $1,500 each from each of those left over from the receipts to help those charities. And you, the people of Trinity Lutheran Church, said we're going to double that. So we gave an extra $1,500 each of those, and they all received that money. They already have it. Over here we have ELC World Hunger, $2,500. Goes across the, the state and across the globe to help people with world hunger. Gary's got the big one, ELC Disaster Relief, $12,500. We sent that check off this week to help people across the globe with disaster relief. Gifts from the Heart is a food bank in Coopville that takes care of the central part of the island. And Sister is Good Cheer, and we sent $6,000 to Good Cheer this week. That leaves me with Sarah's mobile turkey unit. Uh, we had to get that money to them so they could buy turkeys. Uh, for this week to give that money away, so we sent a thousand. So all in all, it's like thirty-four thousand dollars or something like that. I didn't do the math exactly, but that's all because of you. It's all possible because of you. And when people ask what your church is about, you can tell them that we are not just looking for conversions. We're looking to make our neighbors' lives better, and so I thank you for that. You can just put those down right there in the corner, and thank you all for helping so much. Thank you. Thank you. They volunteered, kind of. <laughs> all right. Thank you. So now we're, we're going to transition from this part of the service to the table. And what do you need to know as we move towards this table you need to know that you're welcome. You are always welcome. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where your journey's taken you. It doesn't matter if your prodigal son and daughter has wandered in the wilderness. It doesn't matter if you've ever worshipped with the Lutherans before. It doesn't matter if you haven't set, for, set foot in a church in 20 years. You are welcome. You are welcome because this is not a Lutheran table. This is the Lord's table, and there's only one host, and that's Jesus. And Jesus welcomed all repeatedly to dine with him, and he welcomes all to this table as well. In a moment, the usher is going to help you to come down the center aisle towards this baptismal font where our young people will affirm their baptisms in about an hour. As you come forward there, you'll hold out your hand to receive the host, the body of Christ. Hold on to it momentarily, and then intinct it. Dip it into the chalice of your choice, the blood of Christ. The first chalice will have wine, the second will have grape juice. And if you need gluten-free elements, we have those as well. Most importantly, know that you're welcome now. You're welcome always to this table. As we gather here now at this table, 
a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome people of a variety of races and colors and denominations across the globe this day. We remember the night in which he was betrayed. It was a Thursday night in Holy Week in an upper room in Jerusalem. And on that night, Jesus began by giving thanks. He took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, those who were about to betray him. He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come.
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven. Go out those doors. Make a difference where God puts you this week. You'll be uniquely placed this week to be the hands and feet of Christ where you are. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn, well, before our closing hymn, I forgot one announcement, and that is, if you see Robin Wozab, who's sitting right over, where'd she go? <laughs> she was sitting right there. It's her 70th birthday today. She must have known I was going to do this. If you see Robin out there, tell her happy birthday. Our closing hymn, Light Dawns on a Weary World. Rapture.